Yeah, good, good, Todd. Yeah, it's um, according to the 1828 Noah Webster Dictionary, it's it's when we would, would talk behind someone's back with the intent to cause them harm. And typically we're attacking their character, their reputation, and their dignity. Somehow we're, we're attacking them from behind. The whole intent of it is, is, is to harm them. And it, quite often it's mindless, it's thoughtless, it's careless, it's critical speech coming out of a, a spiteful heart, a vengeful heart, or a jealous heart. It, it's really a, it's an attack on someone to uh, try to destroy something in their lives. It also, listen to this, brothers and sisters, it's also in an element to elevate yourself. You want to elevate yourself by bringing someone else down. It's actually stepping on the other person to elevate yourself. So that's what it looks like. And by the way, slander has destroyed relationships, friendships, marriages, family, business, and churches. People have been sent to prison over slander. People have been actually sentenced to death over slander. And it is one of the most common talked about sins in the entire Bible, is slander. And I would say, thankfully in our day, we don't see slander that much, right? Hello. I mean, all you have to do is look in the, the right now, the political arena. I'm not here to talk about politics, but these, whether it's congressmen, senators, or the presidential race, these are supposed to be the leaders of our nation. They're supposed to be setting the bar for how life is uh, carried out in a respectful way. And what do you see? What are, the, what, are the, what are their campaigns of all these politicians? It's slander. I can remember a time in elections even you know, that you would watch these election campaigns and it would be about the issues. They would talk about the issues and they wouldn't think about assassinating the character of the other candidates. But that just shows you, by the way, the reason I bring that up is because the leaders of a nation reflect the people. They reflect the people. And so we are in a nation full of slander where it's common sense where even our leaders are. So that's why I bring up the leaders is you see where our nation is in slander. And by the way, is it in the church? Yes, slander's in the church. You know, I, I remember when, before I became a pastor, I was on the board over at Wayside Rescue Mission, and one of my jobs was to build church partners within the community, and I'd go out and visit these churches, and I'm telling you, it was amazing. They would just talk about what's wrong with all the other churches in the area. Slander. It's in the church. It's in the community. It's in our leadership. It's a big deal. I'd also say I'm sure everyone here has been hurt by slander. Have you not? Have you all been hurt by slander? I think that some of, you, some of us here are carrying some pretty deep scars that have been caused by slander in our lives. But I'm also sure, at least for me, that I'm guilty of slander. I've slandered countless times in my own life. So this morning we're going to look at slander. We're going to see what it is and, and how to overcome it. Because it's a big sin to God, so it's a big sin to us. Let me just show you a few verses to set the stage before we get the text. Look at Leviticus 19.16. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. God hates slander. Look at Psalm 101.5. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. That's from King David. And I'm... Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, 
hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among the brothers. God hates slander. God hates it. Let me show you in the Bible just one more thing here before we jump into the text. Look here. These are just examples of people that were slandered in the Bible. Versus King, King David. And he's talking about King Saul. He said to Saul, why do you listen to when men say David is bent on harming you? So people were slandering David to King Saul, saying that David was bent on harming him. John the Baptist, for John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he, is, he has a demon. Stephen, the first martyr, he's actually martyred because of the slander. Then they uh, secretly investigated men who said, instigated men, I'm sorry, who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. Slander. Paul himself was slandered. It says, and why not do evil that good may come. That's where people were saying slanderously about Paul. And of course, Jesus himself was slandered and was the reason he was crucified was through the slandering, lying things that men said behind him, which is the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. You know, brothers and sisters, the reason slander is so rampant and so destructive because it only needs an evil heart and a lying tongue. We're all fully equipped at any moment of time to slander. We don't need a lot of planning and preparation. We don't need any special weapons. We don't need to get any partners involved in our, in our sinfulness. It can be practiced anytime. It can be practiced in the church parking lot. You can pull up into the church parking lot, run into someone, and boom, slander can take place. Did you hear about so-and-so? I can't stand the fact that we just sang a gospel song, whatever the slander is. It's, it, it's just there. It just, it's, it's right on the edge of everybody's tongue. It can happen at any time. And I think, brothers and sisters, as we've been so accustomed to it that we're slandering more than we could even imagine. And I'm talking about Christians. One of the lies we believe is sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt me. And what is the truth? The absolute opposite of that. I had plenty of broken bones in my body. They've all pretty much healed. But I have things that were said to me even at the age of five I can still remember. So, all I'm trying to stress with you is all of us must be very careful. I love the way Ed, the Spirit of God, set this up. Every one of us must be very careful in the words we speak, especially about others. Amen? Okay, with that, if you'd open your Bibles, uh, James 4, 11, and 12. Our brother Richard's going to open the word for us this morning. Come on up, brother. Richard just uh, officially joins the church this morning, so I figure, why not? Let's have him. <laughs> You please stand for the reading of God's word. But Richard just shared this with me. I'll just tell you, he, he knew the Bible very well for a lot of his life. But only recently did he get off the throne of his life and accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior. So praise God for that.
Good morning. I'll be reading uh, James chapter 4, verses 11 and 6. I mean 11 and 12. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in the judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Amen. Amen. The Lord has blessed to the reading of his word. Yes, thank you, brother. Appreciate that. You got to love his voice, too, don't you? <laughs> Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for just this time together as the Oasis family. Lord, we humbly come underneath your word today, ask that you would have your way with each one of us, work in our hearts and minds and change us and mold us into the men and women of God you want us to be. Help us to understand slander. Help us to see slander in our own life. Help us to fight against slander within the church and the world. Pray this all in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, the first thing, brothers, I want you to see is that he says, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. I just want to let you know, he's talking to the church. He's talking to the family of God. That's who he's, he's addressing with this teaching. In fact, the whole book of James is addressed to the church, but he specifically stresses this is family. We are family. Slander should not occur within the family. You see, brothers and sisters, we are supposed to be known by our love for one another. Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples by your love. And when you love someone the way you're supposed to love them in the body of Christ, you will not slander against them. It just won't happen. So, so he's saying family because he's reminding us that we are, we are called to, to build a deep love relationship with the family of God. It's hard work. Just talking to a few of us were talking to a brother last week. Part of it is you have to show up, right? If you want to be in a deep love relationship with the body of Christ, you have to show up at church every Sunday. You've got to show up at Bible study on Wednesday. You've got to investigate, invest your life into others if you want to build a meaningful love relationship with the body of Christ. It doesn't just happen, just like it doesn't happen in any other place in your lives. But we have to build that love relationship by being transparent and being vulnerable and, and helping each other and being together and, and learning to deepen our love relationship for each other. I know it's not always easy to show up. I, I was just thinking this week when I was first saved and I was invited to a men's Bible study at our church. Well, our church had one of the best Bible teachers in the, in the Midwest, and because of that, our church had a predominant number of PhDs from Wheaton College, a, a large number of PhDs, and this was the men's ministry. And I was scared to death. I mean, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know my Bible, but I was supposed to go to these Bible studies and start being transparent with these, what I consider these huge uh, scholars of the Word of God who taught at seminary at, at Wheaton College. And so I would go there with my navy blue life application Bible, if you know what those are. And, you know, and I'd go to these Bible studies, and they, they would say, oh, flip to Exodus, flip to Hosea, flip i got to go to the table of contents. I don't know where these books are. And I can tell you, I was sweating. My, I'd be soaked by the time I got out of there. <laughs> but I kept going. Because why was I sweating so much? Pride. Pride. 
Plus, it was a little awkward to wait for everybody, and I'd be. But it didn't matter because I loved God more. I needed to learn the Word of God. And by the way, those men were godly men, loving men, that they put their arm around me and walked with me and helped me those first number of years in my faith. A lot of them were instrumental in pointing me to marketplace ministry and eventually to seminary. And, the, and you don't know, but one of them has actually come to visit the church once just to encourage me. And that's the kind of guys they were. But you have to show up. Maybe you're afraid to show up. Show up. Get, get involved. It's, and by the way, it's, it's not about us, right? It's about him. And it's about growing together and deepening our relationship with each other so that we can become the Christians he wants us to be. So we're to be known by our love. It's a family matter. We're also to be known by our unity, by our oneness. Jesus prayed that we'd all be one as he and the Father are one. And that unity is a result of a loving, intimate relationship that we build with one another as we spend time together. It takes time, right? It takes time to build those kind of relationships. And I love what Ed said last week, too. Praise God. I, I have a lot of dear, loving relationships in this church, more so than even my flesh family. I've got some family that aren't saved. We're just not that close. But that's what happens when we make the investment. Okay, let's get into the text here a little bit. So we, we see that God hates the sin of slander. It's one of the most prominent sins noted in the Bible. We know that slandering is easy, always just on the edge of our tongues. And we see that brothers and sisters in Christ should not slander one another. And we have a, I mean, this command doesn't need a lot of exegetical work. It's pretty straightforward. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. <laughs> it's a direct commandment. I don't think we need to break down the Greek and Hebrew here. So the question is, how, how do we not slander one another? I mean, first you have to look at the motivation that we, that there's a motivation of the heart that we tend to justify, minimize, and blame shift. It's a heart issue. So, so the heart issue can be things like anger, revenge, jealousy, justice. Um, and, and so we, we say that we're doing this and we think we have just cause based on those motivations. Are you with me on that? But the reality is, is that, uh, as we'll see, it, it really is not, um, not our call to be involved in any of those things. Those are, those are God's level missions and, and requirements, not ours, Right? So here, you, want, you might want to write this down. I'm going to give you a, a formula to help you fight against slander. Are you ready for that? So here's the first thing, is, is to fight against slander, we have to keep each thought captive to Christ. And what does that mean, to keep each thought captive to Christ? It means that as we go through our day, we have an ongoing dialogue with Jesus. It's just talking with Jesus as we go through our day. So when a thought comes into our heart or mind, we need to talk to Jesus about it before we let it out of our mouth. Are you with me on this? Don't let, as Ed said, idle words. Don't. What happens is you show. You just had three cups of coffee. You show up at the church parking lot, and you're all fired up, and you run into somebody, and all of a sudden, oops, oops, didn't mean to say that. Didn't mean to listen to that. So you have to keep each thought captive to Christ. Dialogue with Him before you let it out of your mouth. As Ed also said, there's much wisdom when we say nothing. So here's the questions. When, when I have something in, in my heart, I, I, I want to know what, what the motivation of my heart is. What, why, why am I feeling tempted to say this thing? What is it about? Is it really about me? Is it about the other person? 
What is the motivation for me saying this? How about this? Is it really because I want to step on this person to elevate myself? Am I trying to harm this person, their character, their reputation, their dignity? Am I attacking them? Is that the motivation for me saying this? How about this? Another keeping each thought captive. Is what I'm going to say absolutely true? Is it true? Is it verified? Or is it just a rumor that I've heard that I'm going to be spreading to someone else that I have no idea if it's true or not? Or how about this? I don't know if it's true or not, but I sure would like this to be true. Another question is what I'm, going to, what I'm about to say. Is it necessary? Is it helpful? Is it edifying? Is it encouraging? What's the value of what I'm tempted to say right now about this other brother or sister? Is it loving? Is it building the unity of the body? These are all the kind of questions we need to be running through uh, our dialogue with Jesus before we let them out of our mouths. Okay, the second thing we need to do is we have to fight against the temptation to listen to slander. Not only not to slander ourselves, but to fight against listening to slander of others. Are you with me on that? It's amazing how we love gossip, don't we? In our sinfulness. Did you hear about so-and-so? What? What happened? Right? You're never going to believe what I heard about so-and-so. What? Tell me. See, we have to fight against that. We, we, we have to resist the temptation to listen to anybody else speaking slander about somebody. And who's he talking about? He's talking about your family. He's talking about people in this church. We're not supposed to be listening to slander about them. And you stop them. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't, I don't think I want to hear this. And by the way, we should, we'll talk about Matthew 18 here in a minute. It may be a Matthew 18 situation where someone is in sin And then we need to help that person not tell me about it, not tell you about it, but go to the person that is actually in the sinful behavior to talk to them about it. Are you with me on this? So here's an example. We pull into church. I'm going to take a nice innocent example. And Bob, we have a Bob here, but it's not this Bob. It's just a no Bob. (laughs) I'm not picking on you, Bob. So you pull into the parking lot, and Bob comes screaming into the parking lot, skids his tears, uh, tires, gets out, slams the door, kicks the tire, and comes into the church. Can you picture that? And so here, here, so what happens is you saw this, and then, you know, you go around telling people, said, do you guys know Bob? Yeah, I don't really know him that well. Well, he's got a temper problem. He's an angry guy. Are you with me on this? Now, here's what happens. For people that don't know Bob, how are they going to view Bob from now on? He's an angry guy. That's, that, that becomes his identity. He's an angry guy. Angry Bob. And that's slander. And you, and you can carry that out in all different ways, but now Bob has an identity within the church of people that don't... And a lot of people are like, I'm not getting near Bob. So we, have to, we can't listen to it. We have to stop it before it comes out. And by the way, when we stop someone from slandering, we're blessing the person that is going to be slandered. We're also blessing the person that is about to slander. We're protecting them from entering into a sinful, sinful behavior. Amen? So we, we have to stop them from slander. Protect the person. 
and protect the person that's about to slander. Now look at, look at the next verse here, and it says, and whoever speaks against a brother or sister judges them. And I just gave you the example of that because when we pronounce slander against someone, we say they're lazy, irresponsible, we got angry Bob going on here, worldliness, lustfulness, you can keep going with the whole list of sinfulness, and, and that's putting an identity on them. It's making a judgment on them. You're making a judgment. You're casting a judgment on them and putting a sentence on them. And the questions we have to keep going over, brothers and sisters, who chose us to be in the family of God? God did. Who adopted us? Who redeemed us? Who sealed us and secured us for eternity? Who do we belong to? Whose child are we? So how can we choose to slander or judge another child of God? It's not our position to do. That's dad's job. That's not up to us. So it's pretty clear, but I pray you see that, that uh, we need to fight against this issue of slander, and it's driven out of love for one another, and it's driven out of a heart for unity in the body. And I would say every church and every Christian has a lot of work to do regarding slander. So I'm going to get on a little tangent here for you because I want to clear something else up. So here's what we hear based on these verses is we're not, Christians aren't to judge anybody. Have you heard that? We're not to judge anyone. Is that true? No, it's not true. But that's what non-Christians say. I thought Christians were loving. I thought, I thought you were called to love everyone, not to judge anybody. Have you heard that before in the world? Okay, let's just, a little tangent here, just to get into this Matthew 18 here for a minute. So this, again, is in the context of the family of God. I just want to show you this because I think it relates so well to slander. It says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, step two, take one or two others along so that the matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So then First, you go alone to the brother or sister. Then you bring two more, typically people that know that person and have an investment in them that would have uh, the right to speak into their life. You go speak to them uh, to try to get them to turn from their sin. And then it says if they still refuse to listen, you bring it to the church leadership. And if they refuse to listen to the church leadership, you treat them as a pagan or tax collector and they're asked to leave the body of Christ, the church. But I, want you to, I wanted to show this to you because we are to judge. We are to help others overcome sin in their lives. But also I want to show you that this process that God developed goes against slander. Do you see that? Here's the picture. Let's go back to Bob for a minute. So Bob's in the parking lot. You see him screech his tires and slam his door and kick his tire. And what does Matthew 18 tell you you should do at this point? Go talk to Bob. Go talk to Bob. Don't go telling everybody else about angry Bob. Go talk to Bob one-on-one. -on -one. You're the one that saw him screeching his tires. So you go up and, and, well, let me show you this, and then we'll come back to Bob. Bob's going to get a lot of play today. And I'll come back to this, but I just want to show you that his shows you, this shows you how we are to approach Bob. It says, do not judge or you will be judged. It doesn't say we shouldn't judge. He's, this actually, Matthew 7, 1 through 5, is how we approach someone in judgment of sin. It says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So, so look at this. So why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? 
How can you say to your brother, let me, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. So here it is. Let me just... The point is, is that, yeah, we're to judge sin and we have to go talk to Bob, but before we do that, we need to have a humble heart and realize our own depravity before the throne of grace, amen? We're not coming there as superior, uh, fully sanctified Christians. We're coming there as broken sinners like them, and we come to them in our brokenness, and we come along and say, Bob, brother, I love you. You know, what's going on? I, I, I saw your kicking and screeching and all this stuff. What's going on? How, how can I help you? You know, I, hey, Bob, I just want to tell you, I've been angry myself. I've lost my temper countless times. I know what it's like. I just want to see if I can help you, right? And it stops there. Bob doesn't get a judgment. He doesn't have slander against him. You talk to Bob. And here's what could happen sometimes. Bob says, well, my wife just told me she's going to leave me this morning. Aren't you glad you didn't slander? He's hurting. And, and that is quite often what's going on, right? Is someone is in a bad way because they're going through some difficulties and it's being visualized through their external sinful behavior. We need to come alongside that brother and sister and help them become overcomers. So what's the difference about this judgment, just so we're clear? Slander's a lie told beside, behind someone's back with the intent to create harm, attacking their character, their dignity, or the reputation. True godly judgment is coming alongside a brother and sister with the intent to restore them into the body in Christ, to help them overcome sin. It's with the intent to help them, not hurt them. Do you see the difference? Very clear. So then he goes on here, he says, and when you... When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. Do you see that? So I want to show you this. It's amazing. So when we slander, we step on the person to elevate self. And then the next thing we do is we step on the very word of God to elevate self. He says we're going against the law of God. Now, how are we going? What law are we going against? What's that? Got it, sister. That's it. That's the law we're breaking. I got to show you something. I picked this up from John MacArthur's commentary. I'll give it credit where it's due. But so, what the sister said, this is the. They asked Jesus, What is the greatest command in all the Word of God? And Jesus said, Then you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. <coughs> Excuse me. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Do you see that? So let me show This is what I got from MacArthur's commentary that I thought was pretty cool. Uh, these are the Ten Commandments here. And I just want to show you how when we break these commandments, we're breaking the commandment of love. Are you with me? It's just kind of a... This might come up in Bible trivia sometimes, so it's good to have this stuff under your belt. So the first commandment is, of course, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. How is it breaking the commandment? Well, he says, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, if I love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, I'm not going to get into an adulterous relationship and put any other gods into my, into my mix. Are you with me? So if I break the first commandment, I'm breaking the love commandment of God. Same with the second. You shall not make 
for yourself carved image of any likeness or anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath, that is in the water of the earth. I'm also breaking my love for God because I'm taking, I'm putting creation over the creator and I'm creating idols in my life that are competing with my singular love for God. Are you with me? I'm going to go quick here. Third one is you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Our love for God is respectful, honoring, and a foundation of reverent fear. If we really love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, and sight, we would never take his name in vain. That should send shudders down our spine. And the fourth one is remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Our love for God is intimate. It's devoted. It takes priority in our life. This is our, this is our date night, right? We need to be here. We love God so much we don't want to miss church on Sunday. We don't want to miss Bible study on Wednesday. You could take these four, by the way, and put it into a marital context. I don't think it would go over well with, with Mary if I said, yes, I love you, you, you know, till death do us part, but I've got some other girls. And, or that I've got idols. I, you know, I love you, but I, I'm going to be a workaholic and I'm never coming home. Or that I'm going to say, so, say something against her, behind her, about her, her name in vain. Or say that I love her, but that I don't spend any time with her. So, so the, this love is broken in those commandments. Now, the second six are broken because we say that we love our neighbor as ourself. And the first commandment we break there is it says, honor uh, your father and mother for your days will be long. And so the point here is if we love our neighbors ourselves, it's honoring, submissive, it's not selfish or self-centered. Are you with me? So we, we see others more valuable than ourselves. Life's not about us. So we, we, there's an honor and respect that goes on in our relationships because of our love for our brothers and sisters. Also, I mean, these are pretty straightforward. You shall not murder. Well, it's pretty hard to say I love my neighbors myself if I'm going around killing them all the time. <laughs> well, it is. So we value all life as our own. You shall not commit adultery. Loving your neighbor means that we're, it's a, it's a, uh, we will not commit adultery for our love for our neighbors, pure and undefiled. You shall not steal. Love is not greedy or selfish. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. In other words, you do not slander or speak falsely against them. That's the slander that we're talking about. If I love you as I love myself, I will not slander against you. Amen? And the last one is, uh, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Male servant, female servant, the ox, the donkey, the Mercedes, the BMW. Because loving your neighbor as yourself brings contentment, not coveting. We rejoice in the blessings of our brothers and sisters because we love them that much. So that's what it means to step on the law in when we slander someone. Is everybody doing okay? All right. We'll close with this one here. He says then there's, uh, there's only, do I have it up here? No, I don't. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? You see that? So we stepped on our, our brothers or sister to elevate self, then we stepped on the law, and now we're actually, excuse me, stepping on God. We're doing his work. We're taking his position, his authority. So we're just kind of climbing these steps to elevate self. He is the only one, it says here, the lawgiver. That means he's the only one that establishes the law. We don't establish the law. We come under the law. He is the law establisher. And it says that 
a judge. He's the only one that can truly apply the law. Are you with me on that? See, here, here let's put it this way. We'll go back to Angry Bob here for a second. God knows what's going on in Angry Bob's heart. He knows what happened with him and his wife in the morning. He sees it all. He's able to judge. Now, here's, the, here's what he wants us to do. He wants us to be, fulfill our responsibilities in this process. We're ministers of reconciliation. We're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. He wants us to be the men and women of God that we go talk to Bob and help Bob, not judge Bob. He goes, I got that. I'm the lawgiver and the judge. You, I didn't give you that title. I gave you the title of ministers of reconciliation, and I gave you ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And by the way, an ambassador for any king speaks the words of the king. He doesn't speak his own words. So Jesus wants us to take his word and bring it to a lost and hurting world to help them to be reconciled with God and reconciled with the church. Amen? Okay, you got it.